<laughs> Do you think they asked that question as they were getting ready to invade Normandy and storm the beaches on D-Day? I don't are, know, but are, this is, are you ready? This is frozen, but <laughs> I'm going to start over. I think they just said, are, are you ready? Are you ready? And a bunch of 18 and 19-year-old young men said, no, we're not ready. Let's do it. And I do that every day of my life. Can you imagine? So today's Monday, right? So Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. So yesterday was the anniversary of D-Day, the, the, the storming of the beaches at, at Normandy, which is why I have my Navy shirt on. I'm an you Air need to lean in more. It just says NAV. NAV, Navy. <laughs> my NAV shirt. <laughs> and, and in the monitor here, it's Yvan. But <laughs> that was my nickname so, in high school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, Air Force vet, son's in the Army. But I, yeah, you ain't got nobody in the I Navy. I wear the Navy shirt for our friends Bruce and Chuck and, and many other uh, brothers and sisters in the Army and the Navy. So uh, as these... They have the best theme song, in my opinion. Really? <laughs> I've been only mildly offended by that. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> it is good. They're, they're, they're all good. So anyway, uh, as they carried the troops uh, over there, I was torn between my 82nd Airborne shirt which the division was actually Halfway through, there. he's going to change his wardrobe. They, they were... <laughs> <laughs> like uh, Lois and Clark were sort of the spins and I don't think we've had a Lois and Clark reference here, That's have we? very 90s. That's classic. You're talking Dean Kane, right? Of course, of course. I was a big fan of that show. Oh, my goodness. My daughter, Lil, Jessie, Lil was Stacey, Lil Stacy was a big fan. Anyway, so I went with the Navy instead of the 82nd Airborne, mostly because I saw it first. So anyway... Nobody really cares about any of that, but... Uh, well, that's par for the course for this podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you asked me before we are going if we were ready, and mm -hmm. it caused me to ponder what they must have been asking as they were um, preparing to disembark. And when you think about these young people, the average age of a soldier in World, World War II was 26. So you're talking about a lot of... Younger men, even younger in Vietnam, much much younger as we went along. I think it's older again now. But anyhow, as you see in your mind's eye what took place there, and if anybody's seen Saving Private Ryan, uh, it's horrifically graphic in the opening or scenes. Still haven't seen. And I don't think it's quite as graphic as it. Uh, it's a Mel Gibson so. movie, so oh, it's. Well, <laughs> that's right. Anyway. Uh, it's just a horrifically graphic depiction of it, but the realism um, sets the stage and, and causes you to understand a little bit of the psychological and emotional thing of what's happening when we're side by side going into this and then you're gone right. and then only pieces of you remain. You yeah. know, this it just, I mean, it just was such a, a bloodbath. And yet, this was a turning point in the war, perhaps the turning point in the war, uh, as the Allies uh, began to, uh, to take back ground that was lost. Anyway, as we're seeing all this, I'm just, this has nothing really to do with, with what we're casting about today. But Again, I'm, par for the course. I'm just marveling at what it must have felt like the next day. right? Yeah. So you've gone through all this. You're still engaged in the battle. I mean, this is—it's not like it went away, but it's not new. When right. when, when they stormed the beaches, this—you didn't—you had an expectation, but you had no real idea of what you were expecting right. until you have it. Now you've seen it. This, 
this absolute deluge of, of bullets and bombs and just you know fallen comrades all around you walking over bodies it's it's a horrifying thought but the mission continues it, it, it doesn't stop and that just the, the mentality that you have to take on in such a battle is so much different than what than, than the ideas of glory that they probably had right. you know as so many um, as so many would have dealing with uh, you know especially at that time with a patriotic approach to war and the thought that we're going to you know we're going to win glory for ourselves and for our nation and you know long live the red white and blue and now reality is hit and reality just in its very nature tends to jerk us out of anything that 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 fits our comfortable mode and and that's i mean it's just like the rest of life i think that that's one of the things that uh that's one of the reasons i believe that in scripture the lord uses military pictures very mm -hmm. often and so when we see you know this this militaristic battle kind of language uh, i think that's part of the reason is that it, it jerks us out of the comfort right. idea and so as christ followers we so often in in our culture i guess this maybe starts swinging back toward what we're talking about so often in our culture we have this this consumer christianity that you know, we go to an air-conditioned church when it's hot and a heated church when it's cold and we're out of the rain and we live in a free country so that we can assemble to worship as we please. Even in the midst of a pandemic, you know, we recognize that there are, are protected, um, there's a protected status for, for our religious practice. And so we think of it as, you know, we think of our faith much more like going shopping than like being in a battle. And so when, when you're in a battle, and, and again, thinking of, uh, of the invasion of Normandy, these are people from, from extremely disparate, diverse backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And I remember you know, going to basic training, uh, and all of these people were all thrown together in, this, in, in one flight, and the Air Force group was called a flight. And so we're all thrown together here, you know, guys from New York City, guys from, you know, Louisiana, you know, from a small town here in Michigan, uh, you know, different ages. Uh, I, I was 19. Uh, a couple of guys in there were in their late 20s, you know, just all, all kinds of different things. I had just gotten married. You know, most of the guys were single. A couple others had been married for longer. Uh, different religions and we're all smashed together for a purpose to form us into a unit and and so when you think of what's going on in normandy these are guys that that outside of this battle many of them might have hated each other right. you know different ethnicities and, and a lot of bigotries that that would have come up um different you know different beliefs where you know oh man i you know this guy's a jew i hate jews or this this guy's a catholic i hate catholics you know all these different things that, that people would would have and none of it mattered because there was something bigger and in the book of ephesians paul is is showing us what god is doing and bringing all things together under his kingdom rule in christ and one of the major things is it doesn't matter anymore this jew gentile thing all of the background stuff from your earthly identity 
doesn't matter anymore because you are in something bigger that takes all of those differences and supersedes them and and smashes you together and builds out out of all of these different shaped living stones one perfect imperfect temple so we are together perfected in christ but obviously in practice we are anything but perfect but together god is manifest in the church and so you know as we see all of this big idea stuff in ephesians a military picture helps helps us understand that we can't afford in the battle that we're facing and, and we'll see in chapter 6 of Ephesians that God uses again the, the language of armor and, and battle that we're facing an enemy we can't afford to think like people sitting at home uh, during peacetime in the in the comforts that we prefer we have to get past that we have to throw the idea of our own consumerism away and in the church, this consumer culture means we, we pick and choose. We do the things that we like. We don't do the things that we don't like. In a military setting, in a combat setting in particular, you don't get those options. You do what is before you, period. And you know you, you eat the food that you're given. You follow orders. You, you know These are the things that you do. Uh, and we do not approach church that way at all. Family is like that. You know My youth pastor, when I was growing up, used to say you can... You can uh, pick your friends and you can pick your nose. You can even pick your friend's nose, but you can't pick your family. And so that's clearly very profound right. wisdom that he gave to us. But you don't pick your family. Right. Your family is there and you figure out how to live like family, how to be family, despite all the differences. You know, you have a sister and you guys are similar in some ways and very, very different in other ways. Um, I have a brother and a sister and, you know, that means we're different in gender as well. You know, we've got all these things that that make us alike that unite us but they're the differences between us in personality and and you know the things that that we enjoy are very very different and yet what unites us is bigger mm. for us in Christ the church matters more because we are the body of Christ and in Christ being a part of his body not not my church it's it's mine in that I belong to it and I feel a sense of, of connection to it you know as as a member but it's his church and we're all his together as this family as this body and Christ is bigger Christ matters more so we put our differences aside and it's no longer about what I want or what you want and in a sense that consumerism that we have in church is the overflow of our personal selfishness the greed that we see in all of our lives that we're constantly at war in this battle within ourselves and in the world around us with this consumer culture that's always marketing always marketing and coming from some marketing background you can understand that mm -hmm. this this <laughs> the old sales adage always be closing the 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 world around us is in the process all the time of closing the deal right. to get us to think in worldly terms, to value things here. And when we see, uh, you know, again, we're having this big uh, pride celebration this month and in our community uh, this week. This is not about uh, 
it's it's just not about equal rights. That's a whole separate issue and not really what we're talking about today. But the but the pride focus during this month at a time when 12 months out of the year is a LGBTQ pride celebration. Right now, this this is a marketing move. Mm-hmm. This is to get you to buy into this. And a big aspect of it is you feel an emptiness, you feel a void, and here's how you fill that void. Or this particular individual feels a particular way, and we have to fill that. And it's a marketing push that plays on our inherent, universal, ubiquitous, inherent selfishness and greed. We want to please ourselves, and we want to do it more and more. It's FOMO. It's, you know, essentially what it is. For those over 40, explain FOMO. Do you know what it is? Yes, but I want you to do it. You're Fear over, of missing you're over out. 40, so. Yeah. Yes, but Larry's uh, clear. So <laughs> Larry's not white. He's clear. Fear of missing out. Yes, it's which is also new Space Jam with LeBron James. I don't can't want, possibly be as good, and yet I'm intrigued. It doesn't exist to me. Um, Still has booked money. Yeah, let's not get into that. What they've done to Space Jam. Um, or Bugs Bunny. Or Lola Bunny. Sure about that. I did not, but um, I'm afraid to. Yes. Um... What was I talking about? FOMO, fear of missing out, marketing issue. Because if somebody's doing their job correctly in a, in a marketing team or a campaign team, they are going to make something so exciting and desirable and interesting that even if you don't, you wouldn't really care about it or be that interested in it, you don't want to feel like you're being left out of it or you don't want to miss out on something. So even if it just strikes your intrigue uh, into looking into it, you want to be, everybody wants to be accepted and included and whatever. Nobody wants to you know, sit at home twiddling their thumbs while everyone else is having fun. I do because I'm greatly introverted and social settings give me anxiety. But most people <laughs> so don't, many want, I'm just gonna sit don't want to, uh, you know, you want to know what's going on? There's a square on my head again. Um, anyway, that's your nickname in high school. There's a little square on her head, Stacy. Um, so yeah, that's a, a big part of it, I think. With not just with pride, but with anything, you you people want to know what it is. Mm-hmm. They want to be included in it because it seems fun, right? It seems cool, fun, exciting. Woo! Well, um, and, and as we've been seeing with this on a on a grand scale. Uh, this has been coming up with CRT and a number of things recently that, that you know, when you try uh, to to modify your life to fit woke culture woke. or or this affirming culture, um, you can't keep up with it. Because That's true. It, it changes it, all the time. And, and it's always more. Whatever victory you get in this lane, we need more. There's always this hunger for more. And you... You can't win in that. No. But that's the that's the nature of selling. That's the nature of the devil's recruitment, if you will. You know, the old uh, description of a good salesman, a good salesman, good sell ice to an Eskimo, you know, kind right. of thing. Which I'm sure is probably offensive ethnically and on Eskimos. every possible way. Sorry to point. all the Eskimos watching yeah, this. Yeah, and... Ooh, please tell me if you're an Eskimo watching this. And, I want to be and friends. And those struggling with ice addictions. But anyway, as we're... Uh, it's probably on my strange addiction. It's very possible. Something about chewing ice or something. Anyhow, as uh, you know, as we're looking at that idea, that's what the devil does. He's mm-hmm. trying to sell us stuff that we don't need. Right. That we that he gets us to want it because of our 
sinful. You ever seen selfishness? You ever seen Wall Street the movie? Yes. Greed is good. I'm old enough to have seen it when it first came out in the theaters. So, Gordon uh, Gecko, <laughs> which is cool, the coolest movie name character of all time. But yes, and he sells insurance. Not now. a great guy. Oh, that's Geico. If the little Geico lizard Gecko would have been in there, that would have been better. His name's Gordon. His name is not Gordon. It is now. Gordon the Gecko. I just named him Gordon. Gordon the Geico Gecko. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome so to anyway, something to talk about. Greed is good is uh, not the podcast. Gordon. Edition. We're, we're half we're halfway into the podcast. Yes, we are. And we've, and talked we've about done very good. little. So well, again, well, par for the course for this yeah. podcast. But you know, with all of this, this idea that's why in, in Ephesians four twenty eight, um, which my daughter was working on memorizing this morning, we we're talking about it. Really, has three parts to it. Mm-hmm. And, and as Paul is is talking about these three parts. And he says, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands so that, uh, that they may have something to share with those in need. The, there's three elements here. And he's really, he's talking very specifically about this greed, taking uh, taking what's not yours and you know not earning a living and so on. And, and this whole concept of selfishness comes out of this, but it's a broad it, it, this is a broad paintbrush that, that we can paint with because realistically, it's not just about me stealing your wallet or you know identity right. theft or whatever. It's the idea that I want more and I don't think I should have to work for it and I don't want to give anybody anything because I want to keep it all for myself. Whether that is wealth or glory or credit or whatever else, uh, that's why we see so much class struggle in mm. human history. You know, we've got haves and have-nots, and the have-nots want to be the haves, so they resent the haves, and they put down the haves, and the haves want to stay the haves, so they're, they're going to oppress the have-nots. And you're going to keep on having this cycle going over and over and over again until sin is gone. And that's why the, the revolutionary mindset uh, cannot ever fully provide what it promises. I went into a black hole the other night of uh, on Wikipedia. I forget what I started it. It's a dangerous it. place to be. But it was... Uh, the black hole. Basically, oh, I saw a YouTube clip of uh, one of the executions of Henry VIII's wife. Uh, obviously not a real one. Okay. But <laughs> Live footage. Live footage of that. But then I got... I was wondering, how did that... How did the royal family, like as we know it today, like where did that come from? So I started doing like, you know, Ancestry.com, not really, of the royal family and like how it all started and how the how the descendants went about. And it's so messed up <laughs> because some some of them that, that were on the throne didn't necessarily come from that line, but they got in there this way and they got in there that way. All of the European heads of state were pretty messed up. But the, when you stuff. think about that, just kind of just as you mentioned the power and the things that people went through to get that power is insane. But I think that it would still be done today if, if you know, that was, I think people... You want to see crazy, look at the Russian line sometime. There, I, don't, I recently found out that I thought I was German my whole life. I'm Russian. Oh, well, there you go. My great, 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 whatever grandparents were called Volga Germans. Hmm. And so they were Russian, but they got paid to move to Germany and farm there. But they're really Russian, which, I mean, I don't like vodka, and I, but I do like the cold, so. You do like the cold. I like the cold, and I like... Communism. 
Not so much. Gulags. <laughs> gulags? Yeah. What are gulags? It's the, the prison camps that they have. No. I don't like communism. How about exceedingly long epic novels? <laughs> I guess. What do you... I like Anastasia. I like the Romanovs. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> so you just write into it. Anyway, of I'm messed sorry. Up, check out the Romanovs. Anyway, but, the, but the, the, the things that people are willing this to do... This was relevant at some point, I think. The things yeah. that people are willing to do to get yes. what they want... Uh, to keep what they want, to get what they want, to get more of what they want, right. and to keep other people with, from That's not just with something as prestigious as being a royal. That's with like everyday things. Well, yeah, and that's why when Paul's talking to the Ephesian church, he's talking to them as if stealing is somewhat normal. You know, that and this, I think it is. That this is a pretty regular thing. Uh, and, and it's not like he makes some big deal about it. Among you, there are some who have been thieves, and they should stop. He's, this is just like casual conversation. Look, all y'all who've been stealing, y'all knock it off. That, that's not okay. I wish that's right? exactly how I have that's it. The, yeah, that's the uh, country translation. So, <clears throat> Anyhow, as, as he's doing this... The, y'all need to quit. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to go. Uh, there, are, there are three real elements involved here. The first one is don't take what doesn't belong to you. you know, that, and that's, that's a big thing of, you know, not just, again, not just... Still in your wallet, right. but all anything that doesn't belong to me by by actual right, not by the justification in my mind, not, not you mine. have it. Right. I deserve it more right. than you do, right. so I'm going to take it, which we do all the time. Yes. We do that lots of times. Um, but if it's not mine, hands off, leave it alone, right? Uh, including including God's glory. Stop stealing God's glory. But that's a sidebar we don't have time for. Uh, but stop stealing. Stop taking things that don't belong to you. The second part, you need to earn. So you need to work to earn, right? Mm-hmm. Work to earn something. And the, the Protestant work ethic comes That's out of this. That's relevant today. Well, yeah. You know, in a world where we're paying people not to work. And on top of that, we're, we live with the expectation that people owe us a living. That employers exist so that we can have jobs, which they do not. Employers exist because they want to do the thing that they do and make a profit. And if they don't do those things, they don't exist any longer, which means we don't have jobs. But no employer exists uh, for you, not not for you to have a job. Half of all new business, small businesses close within the first year. Yes, I've lamented the undercapitalization of most businesses in our area for a long time. If you're not prepared to operate in in the red, for a minimum of three years, you're not going to make it. But anyhow, um, because I have so much authority and wisdom. So, hashtag sheesh, that was sarcasm, Sheldon. Uh, more pointless pop culture references. As we are uh, looking at this, that, that second part of uh, you know, actually work to earn has to do with you know, our own personal self-respect. You know, I can look myself in the mirror and know that I put in a hard day's work and there is something that God has wired into us that, (coughs) excuse me, that that we can see our our new friend, Farmer Dan, who's been in IT forever, uh, said the the thing about this computer world, that's where where I make the money to be able to afford to farm. Uh, This this is great in in many ways, but it sucks the energy out and doesn't put it back in. Uh, and, and there is 
It's not that, he's, that you're not working. You're doing a legitimate thing. That's a legitimate job. But there's something satisfying about going out and putting in a hard day's work at the farm that you own that you right. do all these things. So regardless of whether you're working for the man or you're working for yourself or however it, it plays so out in your life. Working nine to five. Working nine to five. What a way to make a living. So Barely getting by. <laughs> it's all taken and no given, which reminds me again of Ephesians 4.28. So as, as you're actually working and you know that you have done your best, you have given of yourself, and you can be proud of the excellence of your work, whatever that excellence is, whatever field. Um, Even if you're writing about cat bands. There, it's an, <laughs> yeah, good example. Um, that that is well, when we do it excellently to the glory of God, we can have a certain healthy. I'm going to use the word pride, though it can be a confusing word, uh, but but a certain self-respect that can come from that. Mm-hmm. I know I did well. I know I did the best that I can do. And I can have a, a satisfaction. Sure. When I do that for the glory of God, then my excellence is not for me, it is for him. The benefits of self-respect come out of that, but the honor goes to the Lord. So the third element of that is that my working to earn is not self-driven. It's not mm-hmm. just so I can get more stuff, so I can be the richest man in town like uh, George like Bailey, like Henry Potter. <laughs> thinks he is yeah we want to we want to be more in this idea of george bailey by the way greatest movie ever made but that's i just want jimmy stewart to narrate everything yes so as as you watch that movie unfold in particular it's a wonderful life for the uninitiated uh there ain't nobody that hasn't seen it's a wonderful life i didn't see it till i was in college so there are lots of young people that come up every year that have never seen it because there is no television anymore in a real sense in, in the old sense so now you have to choose to watch movies, not just have them come up in the TV schedule. But I digress again. The the idea here is that George Bailey had all these dreams that he wanted, and when he has his little breakdown, has his little selfish fit, he has a moment. But his entire lifetime has been dedicated to helping others, mm-hmm. which is what ultimately makes him the richest man in town. Now. This is speaking to the ancillary benefits of generosity. But that's not Paul's motive in writing about generosity, and it's not the motive for the Christ follower so that I can be the richest person in town. I can have all these friends, and people can recognize what a good person I am. Quite the opposite. For the Christ follower, as Jesus said in Matthew 5, when our light shines in this darkened place and people recognize it like a city on a hill because you can't miss it, we're not trying to, to gain attention for ourselves, but by living a Christ-like life in a world that is anything but, God gets the glory. People see those good deeds and they glorify our Father in heaven. And that's the point, to, to give God glory. So if our driving force is to love God with our whole being, right, Matthew 22, uh, Deuteronomy, Mark has it as well in a different version, <clears throat> as we as we look at this idea of the greatest commandment being to love the Lord our God with everything we have, nothing before God, period. It's number one on the list, on the top ten list of commandments. Then that overflows from us 
with a love for those who bear God's image, that God loves. If God loves you, then I love you, right? And he loves those that bear his image. Now we can debate the universality of that love, whether uh, <clears throat> whether God loves the wicked and so on. And I think very often that's a matter of semantics. It's important semantics, but it's still semantics. Uh, but God does love his image bearers as a race, and he has um, loved the world us so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have eternal life so if if we love god then we demonstrate that by loving others as jesus said quoting the old testament we love our neighbor as ourselves so in this whole love god love people thing our approach to work our approach to the, the concept of wealth, our approach to human value and worth cannot, cannot be rooted in a secularist, uh, humanist, anthropocentric kind of worldview. It has to be rooted in the fact that we belong to him, mm -hmm. right? God first, because we love God, we love people. Therefore, when I look at the nature of wealth, what does it mean to own? What does it mean to possess? I no longer view myself as an owner of things, but as a steward of God's resources, that he owns all of it. Therefore, since I'm stewarding it for him, he has graciously given me the privilege of using and enjoying it, but I use it according to his will, for his purposes, for his glory, in, in the way that he would use it. If I start letting my view of wealth fall into the, the uh, man-made economic uh, systems that, that, we've, that we have uh, developed and, and we think, well, capitalism or socialism or communism, or, you know, all of these things, I'm, I'm viewing things from a human perspective that says, I know better than you and I need to fix it because you can't fix it, mm -hmm. rather than God knows better than all of us, and he says, love one another. And therefore, because I love one another, I see, I tend to see now wealth the way God sees wealth. Mm -hmm. It's a tool. It's something that is uh, given to us to manage for him by his design, according to his rules, in such a way that, that people are blessed by it and God is glorified. So when Jesus looked at wealth, he didn't hate it. He wasn't opposed to it. He didn't condemn the rich. He hung out with rich people. He hung out with poor people. He spent most of his time with a poor crowd. Uh, he hung out with religious people. He hung out with hookers and crooks, uh, and dirty and, and dirty politicians, and you know, you you name it. Uh, he never ignored sin. But he was never impressed by someone's status. Right. And he was never coveting someone's status. So, you know, Jesus went around as essentially, if you will, a homeless person, um, an itinerant preacher. Could he have parlayed his popularity into wealth and power? Absolutely, for sure. But he wouldn't have been Jesus at that point. Throughout history, don't you get the vibe, and maybe this is just the narrative that we've been fed, 
do you get the vibe that often wealthy people or people in power are often portrayed as like the bad guys? I think even in the Bible you see the particularly in the in the twentieth century, right? But even in the Bible, you, when you think of like the the priests and the Pharisees, or you think they're they're the people that are kind of quote unquote in power, and they're the bad guys. That's how we yeah. see them anyway. I think that's how uh, again growing up in the twentieth and twenty first century here, I, I think we are seeing a lot of that um, through our contemporary lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a Jewish person reading the Bible at that time did not, I, I don't think it, I mean, it just, they, they would see wealth as a blessing. That was how it was seen. Right, I see, and so, I get that. So the, the wealthy were often seen as those being blessed by God. That's one of the reasons mm-hmm. David laments the way he does in the Psalms. Why do the wicked prosper? God, you're, give, you're the distributor of wealth. It's not the government, it's the, it's the Lord. So why are you giving blessings to these wicked people that doesn't make any sense to me that was the struggle that he had because it seems to be indicating god's approval which it in some cases did and in some cases didn't and that was one of the messages that we see throughout it but jesus kind of overturned that Hmm. and the reason that he said a lot of the things that he did was because the prevailing mindset was that wealth is good Mm -hmm. wealthy people are better people (laughs) and and even in the New Testament, that's why James is writing to the church saying, stop giving partiality to rich people. Stop, stop acting like they're better. You save the best seats in the house for them. You know, you want to give them special favors. Aren't they the ones that are oppressing you well, anyway? We do, we do that. We do that With celebrities. Absolutely. People, they are special. You know, they right. get perks. And well, they how, get, you know, how excited do Christians get every time you hear a whisper that this celebrity or that celebrity is a, is a Christ follower? Right. Or, and most of the time... Maybe I'm being a little bit cynical when I say most of the time. Most of the time, I, I would say it's not true. You know that somebody's got some inkling of some churchiness that they picked up from the background, and there are absolutely strong, regenerate, born again believers in all walks of life, including government and Hollywood. As hard as that can be to believe sometimes. But just because somebody in a, in a position of fame and celebrity or power makes claims or says things, that doesn't mean anything. It right. means that they think that that's best for their image right now. When they're willing to give up things, then you might have some more credence for it. Dean Cain's an example that you know was willing to give up the, his acting career, basically, to stand for what he believes in. Now, I don't know everything about his... Uh, particular faith. I'm not pretending to. This isn't really about Dean Cain, but the reality of celebrity status is that it is fading. It, you know, it, it's like a flower in the heat. And when we hunger for those things, and and that's where greed comes up in in more than monetary things. Mm-hmm. It, it comes up in status, reputation, power, all the things that money can buy, and we fail to hold it loosely we fail to to see it the way the lord sees it and if we're going to get this right to to live in a way that's worthy of our calling we need to we need to actually train our brain we need to we need to choose in our thoughts to value wealth the same way the lord does to see wealth from an eternal perspective as a tool as a means to an end not as something that we should hunger for because it's all passing uh, we are we are managers. We are stewards of God's resources, and 
when we approach it that way, that fits someone who belongs to God in Christ rather than someone who is you know, a squatter in the kingdom who thinks that, that I'm going to take possession of this. That, uh, we're not owners, we are managers. And I need to then actually, again, convince my mind, I need to train my brain to prioritize God's glory over my need to understand how he's going to provide for me. So when Jesus goes from you can't serve both God and money directly into don't worry, it's because money is one of the things we worry about right. so much. You know, I, I don't know, you know, I, I, I need to make more money. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. Um, and in our society, that means I don't know how I'm going to you know, pay ridiculous amounts of gas for my fancy car or you know, get a better cable package. And even, you know, and again, I'm speaking to the majority of folks who think we're in poverty because we struggle a little bit and maybe we have to reduce our, our internet service. You know, that's, that is not true poverty. Now, there are lots of people who are in true poverty but in, in both cases, whether we are rich or whether we are poor, just like Paul said, when I learn to be content in Christ with whatever lot God has, has given to me, uh, then I find that I can do just fine mm -hmm. in the rest of this. Not, you know, the peace doesn't come from chasing after the peace. Mm -hmm. The peace comes from being content in, in whatever state I find myself because this is God's plan and God will provide. So when I prioritize God's glory over my need to comprehend what God is doing and how he's going to make this work, then that reflects my status as his child. It, it, it's a picture then of a life that is worthy of the calling, of, of living in accordance with that. And then I think the, the last general idea that we need to keep in mind is that um, I need to let my love for God overflow in generosity toward others. You know, and again, taken directly from Jesus, you love God, and the second command is like it. It's, a, it's really the expression of the first. I love God, I love others. Mm -hmm. The Ten Commandments, the first four are about loving God. The last six are about loving others and getting this right. How do I interact in this world? I don't lie to people. I don't steal from people. I don't covet the things that somebody else has. I don't kill people. You know, I don't, I don't murder. Uh, all of these, uh, I don't steal somebody else's mate. You know, I, I don't commit adultery. So all of these things are connected. When I'm right. worshiping God rightly, when he is first and foremost in my life, I can't do these other things. At least I can't be comfortable with them. So in the moments, because we are inconsistent people, in the moments when I let God become second priority in my life, then I do dumb things. Or I guess the reverse of that, it probably explains it better. In the moments that I'm doing these dumb things, if I'm you know, greedy or I'm dishonest or, or you know, I have unwholesome talk come out of my mouth or I, I'm overcome by my anger, in those moments I have let those things usurp my love for God. And now I'm not loving God with my whole heart. I'm loving this, whatever it is, the wealth, the anger, the, you know, the, the, the feeling I get from this more than I'm loving him. So that's how those things interact. We will stop there because we're over. Uh, we're a little... We are. We are. We're shorter than normal. A little bit. We were kind of all over the place today, but we got there. 
I don't know where we got, but we, we, we got, got somewhere. somewhere. We got somewhere. We did park thanks, the car. Thanks for joining us for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you brought On these Michigan roads. Hope you brought snacks. Uh, yeah, we're kind of, we have one more little uh, mini series within this series uh, next week. So join us for Unwholesome Talk. We're not going to be speaking unwholesomely because we don't want an explicit rating on our podcast. No, no. We, we might get not. more viewers that way. Yeah. Because uh, you have FOMO no. and you don't want to miss out on the expletives. What did she say? <laughs> she said FOMO. Put a little so, bar over my mouth whenever uh, I know. All I know is I heard snacks, so. What's your favorite road trip snack? All of them? No. Am I driving or am I riding? Well, you're riding. Is it hot you or you is wouldn't it cold? eat and drive, would you? Um, th- that's a thing? That's a bad thing? <laughs> Corn nuts if I'm driving and trying to stay awake. So they, corn nuts if I'm driving and trying to stay yeah. awake. Do and corn nuts keep you awake? Yes. Is it the crunch? It is. What if you're passengering? Everything else. Okay. <laughs> I'd have to go a sweet of some kind. Yeah, I I tend to go back and forth. I've my been, when so. back in my this is irrelevant. No, I already said goodbye. My back in my uh, <laughs> we side off. Back in my and musician, then the fire rekindles. Back in my musician days, my pre-show ritual. You want to know what it was? I do. Because <laughs> I was by myself and I didn't want to go like anywhere, so I'd go to Subway. So you were an introvert. Yes. Who didn't drink playing in bars. Yes. Yeah. Okay. With creepy men. Yeah. Um. Perfectly safe. I would go to. I find whatever subway. The Lord was, was protecting you. In these I realized days, that. So. This Lord, was before you were passionate for Christ. Yes. Uh, one time I was at a bar and a guy who owned the bar, maybe like forty at the time, and I was like twenty-two. He goes. He lived above the bar too. Tall guy, long hair, beard. How could this go wrong? He goes. I was. I was. I was with other people at the time too, and he goes, "Hey." Uh, I had a Martin guitar. He goes, I really like your Martin. I said, oh, thanks. He goes, I got, I got one upstairs. <laughs> you want to go has see it? Has your mother heard this You want to go see it? She has no. Now, so. Anyway, my, my pre-show ritual was I'd go to Subway. I'd get a sweet onion chicken teriyaki sandwich. That's a good sandwich. Good sandwich. I'd have two Hostess cupcakes and a Diet Pepsi. <laughs> you had me up till the Diet Pepsi. But, anyway, uh, comment with Clear, your... Clearly unregenerate. Comment with, the diet with your favorite road trip snack. Just if kidding. you made it this far in the podcast. <laughs> As you were drinking your Diet Pepsi, did you say you got the right one, baby? Too young no, for is that. that. Ray Charles. I, I remember that. Diet Pepsi commercial. Uh, my generation was when Britney Spears was doing <sighs> Pepsi commercials. Yeah. That was big. Did she do Diet Pepsi commercials or just a regular Pepsi? I think they featured like Diet Pepsi yeah. in there somewhere, but it was just Pepsi. For those who think young, that was the slogan. Ah, yes. Because Coke I is for old people. That. And polar bears. Um, we're gonna stop I will reserve there. comment. We're gonna stop there before this dumpster fire gets any worse. Yeah. Um, Shut the lid. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we will be back next week as usual if you enjoy this content. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, and our, keep, apologi- keep our them apologies to, to no. all the Inuit people. That- <laughs> I really want, if you're an Eskimo, please email me. I want to be pen pals. I want to probably come live there one day. Um, no, I want an Eskimo pie. Ooh. 
We're all about the snacks. We're all about the snacks, and I want to go see a polar bear drinking Coca-Cola. Something hungry. Something hungry. Something to snack about. (gasps) On April Fool's, we should do that. And just have like a buffet of snacks This podcast could still be going by that time. It might be. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Um, They can be as irrelevant as we are. Uh, Something real at reallifeonline.org. That could be a challenge. Or you can leave us a comment on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter. We have a Twitter now, which I need to update more frequently. or you can leave us a voicemail. If you listen to us with the Anchor app, you can leave a voicemail right on there, and we can <laughs> integrate it into the podcast, which My daughter is cool. just did a homework assignment with the Anchor, Anchor app. Really? She was frustrated. I said, you should call Stacy. Oh, she should. She had it done by that time, of we course. But... Um, or you can leave us a voicemail at the church, which is 269-756-RLCC. And on. feel free to, you know, rate us five stars. <laughs> Whether we deserve it or not, it's our do it anyway. Call it a participation. Do it trophy. anyway, because we're greedy. No, um, ah. uh, I think but it does. It, in all seriousness, that does help uh, help us get the word out. Uh, Whatever word it might be. Yeah. <laughs> get, get some there, word out. It will be a wholesome word next week for sure. It's but not anyway, unwholesome. it does uh, affect the algorithms so that uh, more people see this and hear it because it's a podcast. Both in the UK and in the Arctic Circle. Mostly in the UK. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> I don't know what the what Eskimos. Our UK listeners just keep they on do that every dropping. Time. They are signing out every um, time. <laughs> farewell. Um, and thank you for listening. We got issues. <laughs>